Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Hey man, you guys can take a seat. Well, I'm really excited this morning. We have a, a special speaker with us today. Doug Walter has been doing ministry for decades. He's a counselor with a really cool organization called the Gospel Care Collective. You should check him out. And uh, just an amazing guy and a good friend. And I'm excited to have Doug here. So would you guys put your hands together and give Doug a warm revision welcome this morning. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate Mike's heart for this church in the city of Des Moines, and it's been an honor for my family to be here and to, to feel like we're just right at home with a group of imperfect people clinging to a perfect Savior. So we're, we're thrilled to be here at Revision. About 20 years ago, uh, 19 to be exact, um, my wife and I, we were living in Louisville, Kentucky, <clears throat> and I was getting my uh, seminary degree, and this was 4th of July weekend. And we decided to uh, dress our little girls, and they were really small at the time. They're now almost 21 and 19. Then they were almost two and a few months old, I believe. And so we decided to, to deck them out in red, white, and blue matching outfits, and uh, we got into the act as well. And so we were like the all-American family strolling down to the, the 4th of July parade. And if you can imagine uh, just all the sights and sounds and smells of the 4th of July uh, parade, and we had a blast, and yet it was a really, really hot day, kind of like today. And uh, it didn't take long before our oldest girl, um, Emmy, to have a meltdown right there in the midst of a sea of people. And so we were young parents, you know, we, we thought we knew a lot about parenting and we knew very little. So we were like, what do we do? Um, our little girl is just, just completely lost it. So I grabbed a water bottle, thought she was probably thirsty, gave her the water bottle. She had no part with that. She kind of just looked at me like, no, that's not it. And Decided, okay, well, maybe it's a toy. So reached in her little bag, got her a toy out. It was her favorite toy. She threw it down on the ground. So not that. So we thought, maybe you're really, really tired, Emmy. So maybe we, uh, we just need to recline your stroller back so you can just kind of take a nice little nap right there. And as we were reclining it back, she's just thrashing all around. She's completely inconsolable. I don't know if you've ever been there before, uh, young parents. Uh, but it's, it's pretty humbling, right? And about that time, I noticed what I was wearing. So just to preface that a little bit, my wife uh, graciously gave me a Father's Day gift of this t-shirt that I would wear 4th of July weekend. It was like one of these old navy, you know, 4th of July shirts. And on the front of it said, greatest dad. (laughs) Yeah, greatest dad. (laughs) So I'm looking at this shirt and realizing, oh my, everybody's looking at us, we're making a big, big scene, and I'm definitely not the greatest dad. And so we booked it out of there, needless to say, and Emmy was incredibly tired and uh, went down for a nap. But I tell you that story to tell you this, to remind you of this, God will humble you, right? God will humble you to teach you wisdom. He wants to humble you so you would learn 
to be wise. And if you're new today, we're continuing this series on wisdom, and we're going to see how that truth works itself out in David's life and in our lives as well. In Psalm 131, uh, David gives us this picture of spiritual maturity and wisdom that we would not expect. It kind of takes us by surprise. And so if you've got a Bible this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 131 or pull it up on your phone, or it's also in back of me. The words will be on the screen in back of me as well. This psalm is in a group of psalms called the Psalms of Ascent. The Psalms of Ascent uh, were sung by the people of Israel as they made the long journey up to the city of Jerusalem where they would celebrate these Jewish festivals, where they would worship God together. So along the way, they would take this uh, pilgrimage and they would be singing psalms just like this one. And I think they probably paired it with the psalm before, Psalm 130, as they're closely tied together. So I want to read Psalm 131. You can follow along with me. This is the word of God. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Now, normally we think spiritual maturity and and wisdom is about having something or gaining something, knowledge, experience, insight. But here in this psalm, wisdom is about losing something. It's about letting go of something to get something even better. Notice in verse 2, this is the goal. David is painting us a picture of the goal he has in mind. He says, but I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. So he repeats this for for emphasis. And so we have to wonder why this imagery seems strange to us at first glance. Why would he choose this metaphor of a weaned child? Well, let me explain. So an unweaned child, as you know, moms, uh, whines and, and fusses and is agitated in his mother's arms until he gets the milk from his mother. Only then is he quiet and calm and content. Conversely, a weaned child is satisfied with his mother alone, just being with his mom. As long as he's with her, he's okay. He feels content, he feels calm, he feels secure in her presence. He doesn't need anything from her, he just wants to be with her. So David is saying, my soul is like that. The innermost part of who I am has learned to be content in God alone. Not in what he can give me, not in answered prayer, not in immediate blessings, but in his presence alone, I'm content. So how did that happen for him? And how does it happen for us? Well, here's the path laid out in this psalm. We need to walk through a process, a process of weaning and a journey of hoping, a process of weaning and a journey of hoping. Now, the key to understanding this is realizing that spiritual growth and change in the inner life happens differently than what we might expect. Dr. Eric Johnson says this is a whole different orientation. And typically, we grow up thinking that I can make progress in things by doing things, by acting on them directly, and I will achieve results. 
but not so much with our inner life. It happens more as we release, as we come to terms with, as we surrender, and as we receive the life that God has from us above. We can't make this happen, and that's why it's so frustrating. We can't produce it directly. Rather, it happens to us and for us by the good hand of God. So this is the path of contentment, and it begins with this process of weaning. Now, in Israel, it was common for children to nurse until they were three to four years old. Can you imagine that, moms? Uh, This was the the customary practice. Uh, My wife, Jamie, nursed one of our kids until she was two years old, and that seemed old enough. I mean, when your kids start having conversations with you, it may be time to let go. So this would have been a big deal for the child, right? This was a huge time of transition, and some of you moms can relate to this. I mean, you, you kind of picture the kid thinking, what is going on here? I mean, I kind of like it the way it is. Why are you messing with this? And spiritually, when we're weaned by God, we can think much the same thing. So here's the principle that I want you to get this morning. God will grow you by taking something from you to give you something better, namely himself. God will grow you by taking something from you to give you something better, namely himself. And this process of weaning involves two steps. It's a humbling and it's a letting go. It's a humbling and a letting go. So first in the weaning process, God humbles us. Look at verse one again. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In another translation, it says, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not haughty. So what what David is getting at here is he intentionally is not wanting to live a life of pride and arrogance. But I think there's another layer to this. The word heart and the word eyes are sometimes synonymous in Scripture. Think about the phrases, set your heart and fix your eyes. It's about your ambition in life. It's about your focus in life. So David is saying, my life, ambition... It's not to be focused on me. It's not to be self-absorbed. I have a, a greater passion, a greater longing in my life and to focus my life on me. He wants to eliminate pride and arrogance. Now remember, this is the same guy who pridefully and arrogantly raped a woman and murdered her husband and kept it all a secret. And yet by God's mercy, David repented of his sin, was forgiven and slowly learned humility and wisdom. But maybe you find it difficult to relate to David, and that's okay. But there are many faces of pride. It wears many disguises, a lot of subtleties, right? A lot of nuance. And the way it's manifested in our lives is influenced by our stories, so there's a complexity to it, right? And we would do well to look at our stories with compassion, with curiosity, and wonder, why am I so fixed on myself? Some of us here in this room, we have lived most of our lives pretending and performing for others. We are so insecure on the inside. We desperately want acceptance and approval. And so what do we do? We start belittling others to make ourselves look better. 
And we put on masks every day, hoping desperately that someone would love me just for me. And we're self-absorbed. Others of us, we struggle with shame. You can almost see it on a person's face. Can't even lift up their eyes. Feeling this sense of self-pity, self-hatred. Perhaps a strong inner critic is constantly berating you on the inside. Constantly telling you you're not enough. Would you get your act together? And you feel so small in who you are. So insecure. Oftentimes you react with a sense of anger toward yourself and others because you hate appearing vulnerable and weak and you hate yourself. With compassion, still others of us, as we look at our stories, have gone through some childhood trauma. And as we look at our stories and we see how desperately we want security, we, we never had it in a healthy way. We never had that sense of of safety, and so we're always on high alert, right? We're, we're always trying to make sure everything's perfect in our world and everything that we can control, right? We want to construct a world that's safe because we never felt safe. So we often feel this sense of disconnection even from our emotions and exhausted with life itself. To one degree or another, we all struggle with these tendencies, don't we? On the inside, there's a lot going on. And if we could listen in to the sound of our souls today, I wonder what it would sound like. Some of you, your soul is so restless, so anxious, so hurried, fussing with its desires and demands, rarely calm and quiet because at the heart of it, you want control. And God graciously here in this text is inviting us to let go of that. To let go of that. This is the next step in the weaning process, letting go. Look at verse one again. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. So personal question. What's occupying your thoughts most days? What are you dwelling on? What are you thinking about? For David, he says, I don't want to think about things too great and too wonderful for me. In other words, I don't want to think about things that are beyond my ability to grasp. They're too much for me to handle. And think about this. This is the king, the king of Israel who's saying this. It reminds me of the story of Job, the end of the story after Job has been tested through so many trials. I think there's two things he's learning. One is God is asking him, will you love me even when you have nothing but me? And and some of you, you've been jobed, right? Your life, this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Really? I don't think I can handle one more thing. Will you love me even when you have nothing but me? Secondly, Job learned It's kind of a reality check for him. Job, you don't belong in God's seat. You don't understand it all. In fact, you can't even handle it all, even if you could see it all. It's too great for you. God is too great and too wonderful for you. So David is is admitting his limits here. I don't want to occupy myself with things too great and too wonderful for me. 
Yet it's been the temptation ever since the Garden of Eden, right, to try to have control over our lives instead of trusting God and his control of our lives. We all want to control the uncontrollable. We all want to control the three O's. Maybe you've seen this before. It's kind of a gauge to discern what are you holding on to too tightly. We can care about these three O's, but we must not control them. The three O's, others, outcomes, and old stuff. Others, are you tempted to control the way others act and the way others think? Do you stress out about your, your kids thinking about ways you've got to manage all the details of their lives? Outcomes, I know this is one that I struggle with a lot. I want to make sure that everything is going to turn out well for me and for my kids, for my family. I want to make sure that everything's going to turn out okay. Right, and so I stress over that, making sure in my mind that, hey, we're going in that direction, I'm anticipating that, I'm making sure that at the end, this is where we're going to get to, right? Job, finances, a lot of pressure on myself to make it happen. How about you? And what about old stuff? Are you trying to go back and change what has happened in the past? Like, regrets... A conversation that's swirling in your mind. I wish I could go back and just replay that and do that differently. Maybe it's just broken dreams, shattered hopes, old stuff. The three O's. You were never meant to shoulder that burden. It's too great and too wonderful for you. One pastor said it this way, it's like trying to hold the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans in your two hands without spilling a drop. That's not going to happen. Control is an illusion. And here's the point. Here's the point. The longer we hold on to these three O's, the less time we have to really live into the hope that we were made for, for something much better. I want to share with you a quick video. Let me prep this video. I'm a little embarrassed by this video. This will show my age. Uh, This was before iPhones before camcorders, this was really old. This was back when I was two years old. Um, you're going to see my twin brother and I. Uh, I have a twin brother. He's in uh, Japan, missionary there. And uh, you're going to see us taking turns going down the slide. He goes down first and is fine, slides down and loves it. And when it's my turn, well, you'll see how I respond. So here's the video. There's my brother. Quality is really great, I know. There's me. Not not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. That was my brother that put me up there. My older brother. Finally went down. Look at that big smile. All right. Well, hey, uh, <laughs> so I didn't want to let go, right? I mean, I, and I want to just admit to you, like as a counselor, I've got my own stuff. There's a lot of insecurity in my story. Um, and you can, you can tell right there um, why my brother's a missionary and I'm a counselor. Now you, now you know why. <laughs> 
But here, here's the principle again, right? God will grow you by taking something from you to give you something better, namely himself. I didn't want to let go. And yet I was missing out on something way better. There was greater joy awaiting me. But I wanted the familiar. I wanted the false sense of security in back of me. I didn't want to let go of that. I wanted control. Finally, my big brother said, hey, it's time to let go. So you can move forward, enjoy the journey ahead. But I, I want to be clear here. This isn't like a one-time weaning. Right? This is like a lifelong process, a lifelong lesson, a lifetime of letting go. So question for you, what is he asking you to let go of today? What is he weaning you from? And yet it doesn't end with the weaning. God takes us through this process of weaning into a journey of hoping. And this journey of hoping has two steps as well. It's, it's a deepening in this hope, and it's a waiting. It's a waiting for this hope. So what do I mean by deepening? Well, this journey into hope takes a while to work its way deep into our souls. I think of Paul when he said, I have learned the secret of being content whether in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That took a while for him to get to that point. He went through a lot of life experience to be able to say that. He was humbled by so many things in his story. And it didn't happen in isolation. He learned this in the context of community. I love what it says in verse 3 of Psalm 131. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. David's saying, this is all of us. Join with me here. I mean, this is why we gather on a Sunday morning in the summer, right? We need to be reminded of the hope that we have in Jesus. We need to sing about it. We need to, to hear it preached. We need to remind each other in conversations. We need one another to deepen this hope that we have in Jesus. But in the deepening... We need to be reminded and, and we need to keep telling our soul, soul, you have reason to hope in the Lord. You have reasons to be calm and content. In Psalm 130, we see three reasons why. Three truths that deepen our hope in the Lord. And all of them, all of them emphasize our closeness with God. It's this withness. Like a weaned child with its mother. So three truths that will fuel your hope. One, with the Lord, there is forgiveness. With the Lord, there's forgiveness. Psalm 130, verse four. Forgiveness and freedom from the old stuff. <laughs> Think about this. Your past is secure today if you're in Jesus. All the regrets, the shame, and the failures, they've been forgiven. I love David's uh, words here in Psalm 130, verses three to four. He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. Now think about that in David's story. All of what he had done. And David's saying, man, if you would have marked all that down and kept track of all those iniquities, I, I wouldn't have ever stood in the judgment. I would have been guilty and thrown forever into just punishment for my sin. So he's saying, but with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. What does that mean? Seems strange. He's saying, with you, there's forgiveness that you may be in awe. Like, what? 
that? You're a God who is holy and just and you would have mercy on me, a sinner? How can that be? I deserve condemnation and you're giving me blessing and forgiveness. Incredible. This is our story too. I love the old hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, where it says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. So listen, you don't need to keep rehearsing what's happened. It's been thrown as far as the east is from the west. It's been dealt with. It's been taken care of. Let's imagine Jesus here today saying with his nail-scarred hands, hey, it is finished. It's paid in full. You're forgiven and loved. It's going to be okay. Your past is secure. With the Lord, there is forgiveness. Second, with the Lord, Psalm 130, verse 7, with the Lord, there is steadfast love. I love this word, steadfast love. Every morning you wake up, new mercies are awaiting you. As sure as the sun rises every day, mercies are flowing down to you every morning. But the problem is your worries are also waiting for you every morning. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote he shares, he says this, it comes the very moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, Taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. So just a practical step this summer. Try this. As you wake up, check your soul before you check your social media. Check your soul before you check your social media. Here's one little way you can do that. Some of you uh, like to journal, and this could be a great journaling exercise. If not, just do it verbally with, with God. Ask yourself two questions. The first one would be this. Where's my soul at today? How's it going in my soul? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I wanting? What am I desiring? And so, some of us wake, wake up and, yeah, anxiety rushes in right from the very beginning. Some of us are dealing with frustrations, right? And we're, we're worried about what's going to happen that day. And we're just being honest with God. We're kind of taking a little bit of a, of a check on our soul right from the very beginning. This is where I'm at, God. This is, just want to be honest with you. And then the second question is, how does Jesus enter into that? Where does his steadfast love show up in that? And I guarantee what God would want you to know, that from the very beginning of each day, you are loved. You're accepted by him. His relationship is not going to waver it is constant. His hesed love is abiding. It's relentless. It's ever faithful. It's this undeserving affection by which he binds himself to us in a covenant. I will not let you go. I will never leave you or forsake you. I am for you. I am not against you. I promise to do you good all the days of your life. Receive that. Receive that. So with the Lord, there is forgiveness. With him, there is steadfast love. And in verse seven, it says, with him, there is plentiful redemption. What does that mean? Plentiful redemption. Redemption, this act of fully being set free. If you are in Christ this morning, you're free. No condemnation, no judgment, 
No punishment. Free from the wrath of God. Your chains have been broken. And I love this word plentiful. It means abundant, not lacking in anything, extravagant, over the top, lavish. Someday we're going to experience that in its fullness, the fullness of our redemption. I can't wait for that day, but we must wait for that day. And that's the second part of this hoping journey. It's a deepening and it's a waiting. We've got to wait on God. And as we wait on God, we long for God. We long for him to return so that we would be with him. Psalm 130 verse 6, David says it this way, My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. It's like they're waiting for the sun to rise up. Waiting, waiting with anticipation, expecting it to to come up. And we as Christians are waiting, waiting, waiting for the Son of God to return. Malachi 4 promises that one day the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. I can't wait for that. Think about this, healing. Some of you are dealing with chronic pain in this room. Physically, you just long for the day where you're going to receive a new resurrected body going to say goodbye to that old flailing, I shouldn't say old, I'm old, maybe you're old, that body that you want so desperately to be different, right? Some of you, it's emotional and it's spiritual. You just long for the day where God will wipe away every tear from your eye and he will bring in a fullness of your redemption where the world will be made new and your future will be forever secure. You'll be with him. Guys, this is the better thing our hearts really long for until that day when we go to be with him. Like a weaned child, we wait. Like a weaned child, we trust. And we hope in his word. You see, when these spiritual realities have worked their way deep into your soul, you'll find that you're more calm and quiet and content. This deep abiding hope in the Lord is yours now and forever. Russell Moore at Christianity Today recently interviewed Rain Wilson, who we know as Dwight Schrute from The Office. Fascinating interview. I encourage you to, to look this up. I can't help but call him Dwight. It's hard for me to call him Rain. But uh, he recently wrote a book called Soul Boom. And, and this guy has a lot of interesting spiritual views. Um, very interesting how Russell Moore, uh, very... Uh, delicately and I think very lovingly kind of talked with him through kind of what he believes and what Christianity and how there's some bridges and intersections in, in what he's going, you know, what he's doing in terms of this book that he wrote. But in this book, he shares this metaphor of a baby in a womb. And as we know, uh, the baby is growing inside the mother's womb, growing a, a nose and ears and eyes and fingers and toes and and so we kind of imagine, like if we could ask the question to this little baby, so what's happening to you anyway? And the baby's like, well, I don't know. I've got everything I need, right? I, I've got all the food I want. I, I feel really safe here. It's really warm. I feel protected. And the baby has no idea, can't see what life looks like outside the womb. Similarly, God is adding things on and taking things away from us to prepare us for the world to come. For the kingdom is coming. For something better than our eyes can see. This is our hope 
Alexander McLaren says it this way, that as Christians, when we die, it is gain because we lose everything we don't need, we keep everything that matters, and we gain what we never had before. So God will grow you by taking something from you in order to give you something better, namely himself. So as we close, is God weaning you? Is he humbling you? What do you need to let go of today? What are you holding on to? Just get this picture, maybe it would help you in your your heart today, just even to put your hands out like this, if you're holding on to something, and just, what do you need to release to the Lord? And then what do you need to receive from the Lord? What do you need to let go of And what do you need to take a hold of? Maybe some of you for the first time need to just let go of the control of your life and put your hope and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this weaning process and this hoping process, it's only possible through Jesus. And this passage is ultimately pointing to him. There is a greater David that has lived this psalm more fully. There is a greater king who has fulfilled this psalm in your place, Jesus. The one who has gone through the weaning process on your behalf was made like you in every way, humbled himself, willingly let go of his glory and learned obedience by what he suffered, but never pouted or whined, only offered up prayers with loud cries and tears all the way to the cross, and now is risen, and he's leading a procession, not to the city of Jerusalem, but to the city of God in heaven, where our restless, anxious, controlling hearts will finally be released to enjoy complete calm. Can you imagine? Security forever and ever in the arms of our Savior. I can't wait for that day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are so tender with us, so gentle with us, so compassionate. As you see the story as you've written the story. You know what we need today. And I pray you would come, Holy Spirit, come near to each person right now. Help them to have the courage to just say, I need to let go of this. I'm holding too tightly. And I want to hold on to you. With you, there is forgiveness. With you, there's steadfast love. With you, there is plentiful redemption. With you, there is hope. So Lord, we pray that you would free us this morning to be able to live into that hope and to be able to walk with you in the joy that you have set before us. We pray this in Jesus' name.